Father, we thank you. We praise you. We honor you. We glorify you. Thank you for the Comforter. Thank you for the Ruach HaKodesh who lives and dwells inside of each one of us, who longs to teach us, to lead us, to guide us, to direct us. Father, I pray tonight that as we continue to dive into your word through Joshua, that we would see uh, with our spiritual eyes, that we would understand, that we would comprehend uh, the lessons that that we're to learn and and what you were teaching Joshua and what you were teaching that generation. Father, I thank you for your presence that's here with us. I thank you for your anointing, and I ask you to do uh, mighty things in us and through us as we move forward. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, I pray. Amen. So this week, we are talking about Joshua. Joshua, the book in and of itself, has been taught just from an aspect of leadership in uh, different churches, synagogues, different places that um, I've experienced um, from different backgrounds that I've, you know, been involved in worship in, just from a leadership aspect alone. I kind of want to recap where we've been um, in this uh, study, a Ruach encounter. We've really talked about the, d- the dominion, the freedom, and the presence of the Lord, and how the Ruach HaKodesh continues throughout the Word of God from Genesis all the way through to Acts and then even today as the Word is still being written, living in our lives, how we can continue to see these things, even in our lives, come into pass. So in week one, we discussed why, we're, why we were created. We were created to love and to be loved by God. We talked about how um, the temptation of Yeshua in the wilderness uh, and, and his ability to overcome was also uh, a, a redemption from the Garden of Eden after uh, Adam and Eve had fallen. Uh, week two, we've talked about the passing of the Ruach mantle. And again, where freedom, dominion, and the presence of the Lord uh, was upon Moses and how. Moses had an individual experience with God. And then how Moses was used to bring the children of Israel to Mount Sinai so that the children of Israel, as a community, could experience um, the Ruach HaKodesh together. And how it was interesting that at the burning bush at the foot of Mount Sinai and how uh, that that was going to be the place that Moses was going to bring the children of Israel back to. And there are a lot of type and 
uh, type in shadows there. Uh, uh, it was prophetic how, how God taught or showed Moses through the burning bush that the children of Israel were going to come uh, back to that spot, very same spot. Week three, uh, Rabbi talked about Moses and the 70 elders and how that, that anointing again was passed down, passed through Moses to the 70 elders. And that was kind of a, an interesting place where we see Joshua from at Numbers 11. But what I'd like to do tonight is um, Book of Ecclesiastes says that God knows the end from the beginning. <laughs> what I want to do is I'm going to start off with um, Joshua chapter 24. If you want to turn there, we're going to read quite a bit of that to begin with. So this week we're talking about impartation from anointed to anointed and from generation to generation. So we'll start at uh, <clears throat> Joshua 24, verse 1. This is the, the storytelling of the, of the journey. Then Joshua assembled all the elders of Israel to Shechem, and summoned Israel's elders, heads, judges, and officials. So they presented themselves before God. Then Joshua said to all the people, Thus says Adonai, God of Israel, From ancient times your fathers, Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, lived beyond the river and worshipped other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through the entire land of Canaan and multiplied his offspring. I gave him Isaac. Then to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. To Esau I gave Mount Seir to possess it as his own. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. So I sent Moses and Aaron. And I plagued Egypt with all, I mean, with what I did in its midst. And afterward, I brought you out. I brought your fathers out of Egypt. When you came to the sea, the Egyptians pursued your fathers to the sea of reeds with chariots and horsemen. But when they cried out to Adonai, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. Then he brought the sea upon them, and it covered them. And your eyes saw what I did to the, to the Egyptians. Then you stayed in the wilderness for a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites, who were living beyond the Jordan. Though they fought against you, I gave them into your hand, and you possessed their land. When I destroyed them from before you, then Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, rose and fought against Israel. He even sent and called for Balaam, son of Beor, to curse you. But I refused to listen to Balaam. Instead, he had to keep blessing you. Thus, I delivered you from his hand. Then you crossed over the Jordan 
and came to Jericho. But the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, <laughs> I knew I was going to mess one up, the Hivites and the Jebusites, but I delivered them into your hand. Then I sent the hornet before you and drove them out from before you, the two kings of the Amorites, not by your sword or your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored, and cities that you had not built, and you have settled in them vineyards and olive groves that you had not planted, that you were eating. Now therefore, fear Adonai and worship him in sincerity and truth. Get rid of the gods that your fathers had worshipped beyond the river and in Egypt, and worship Adonai. If it seems bad to you to worship Adonai, then choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers worshipped that were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in those in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will worship Adonai. I want to stop there. Here we're seeing a picture in the end of Joshua proclaiming and Adonai through Joshua proclaiming to the, the children of Israel, look at all these awesome things that I have done for you. Joshua is laying out the case. He's making, it, making his case Plain, Adonai is making his case before the children of Israel. And we say, wow, the leadership of Joshua. But really, it's been the Ruach HaKodesh in Moses, in Joshua, in the 70 elders that has continued to lead them even to this point. But if we go back to Numbers 11 where Rabbi David left off last time. It's interesting <laughs> that when the impartation of the Ruach HaKodesh was given to the 70 elders, who was the one saying, oh no, we can't have this happen here? <laughs> Do you remember? It was Joshua. I think I've got it marked here. Here we go. Uh, Numbers eleven twenty four. We'll we'll start there for a moment. So Moses went out and told the people, Adonai's words. He gathered seventy of the elders of the people and had them stand around the tent. Adonai descended in the cloud and spoke with him. He took some of the Ruach that was upon him and placed it on each of the 70 elders. So it happened that when the Ruach first rested on them, they prophesied, but never again. Two men, however, had remained in the camp. The name of one was Eldad and the name 
of the other was Medad. The Ruach rested on them. They were among those listed, but they had not gone out to the tent. So they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and, and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, there he is, the assistant of Moses, since his youth, cried out and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. Interesting, right? But Moses said to him, Are you jealous on my behalf? If only Adonai would make all the people prophets. If only Adonai would put the Spirit on all of them. So it's really interesting. We see the end cap, right? Of Joshua standing before the children of Israel and saying, Choose you this day who you will serve. Where does that come from? And then we see Joshua in the, in, in the beginning, if you want to say that this is a, a beginning uh, a, a bookmarker in his life of experiencing the rock of Cody, saying, hey, wait, we got to stop this. <laughs> Moses say, no, it's going on. But we see here that, um, we see here that it says that Joshua was one of Moses' protégés, or, or he, was, he was a young leader that, that was being raised up. So what happens in between? What happens from this point where we see that Joshua is standing and saying, choose this day whom you will serve, because he's seen all these wonderful things that Adonai has done. And between that first bookmarker that says, whoa, we got to stop this. And that's what I want to talk about a little bit tonight. Is an impartation from the Ruach HaKodesh is not just a one-and-done deal. I came from a background where the laying on of hands was very predominant. And I agree that when it's time to pray, that there's a transference, there's an anointing, there is something that happens... There is, there is a, a, a seal, if you will, a, a bookmark like I've just talked about in those instances. But just because a child is raised up or, or that you see in that child at two and three and four and five years old leadership ability and leadership skills, does that mean that that child is going to be a perfect leader? No. Leaders still have to be groomed. They still have to be trained. They still have to be taught. And what we see here is a type and shadow from Moses to Joshua 
we see here discipleship in the life of Joshua. A good leader may have super fantastic, abundant charisma and abilities to be able to speak and to be able to teach and to be able to do all these things. But if they're terrible as a leader, if they're manipulative and they're controlling and they're harsh and they're, they're not going to be a good leader, right? Because they're going to tear people down, not build people up. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? We're supposed to build the body. And I believe that's what we, what we begin to see here, just like Yeshua was with His disciples. That was not the first form of discipleship that we see in the New Testament. Where we begin to see it, where we begin to see that impartation, where we begin to see the, a, a mentoring of the Ruach HaKodesh is right here. From a man who says, we got to stop this. <laughs> and in the end, he's standing in that dunamis power. He's standing in that boldness saying, be bold. Be courageous. Be strong. So how do we get there? We see that as a young man, that Joshua was raised up at the side of Moses to learn from him, to learn of his ways. Listen, if you read from Numbers 11 all the way up through the end of Joshua, there are some very valuable lessons to learn here. So I pulled out a few of those that I think are, it's not a, an, 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 an all-concisive list or whatever, but these are things that the Ruach HaKodesh I believe, through the life of Moses, passed down to Joshua and, and helped him in becoming the leader that he would go and he would take city after city after city. So Joshua spent 40 years serving under Moses' leadership. That's a pretty long time, right? Especially by today's standards, you have, uh, you know, I, I would have never called them this today, but I, I call them young people. You know, so as you get older, younger people just get younger, and your babies are still your babies, right? I didn't understand that when I was young, but uh, I had a son turn 19 this, this week, and he he's still my baby. But you know, you have people who who they they come up and they go to grade school, and then middle school, and then high school, and we know how high schoolers are, right? They're ready to take over the world. You can't tell them anything. They know everything, you know, and all this stuff. And, and then you see people in their 20s, if they decide to go to college or if they decide to, to get a trade, and they, they work in those areas for a few years, and, and then they believe that they're ready for some type of management, and you see these people who are 
you know, in their late 20s telling people who were, you know, 40 and 50 years old how to do their jobs and, 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 and that type of thing. And that has, how many of you experienced that frustration? Yes, we all have. <laughs> we all have at some level. But here we see that Joshua's 40 years old. And he's learning. He's come out of Egypt at that time. He's then beginning to learn. I think that it says a lot for someone who is able to be content where you are right now, no matter how old you are in your life, even if you want to say positionally, until God promotes you in the Ruach HaKodesh to wherever you're going to next. Contentment is a very difficult thing. I believe it goes against our, our human nature. But in today's society where everything is so easily you know, accessible, we don't even really wait on God for answers anymore. Who has all the answers? Google! I'll just Google it, right? So what happens? It takes away a working of contentment in our lives, right? All of a sudden we go to Google or, you know, we used to have to go to the library to, to look at the encyclopedia, you know, or uh, spend time there or who, who wanted to do that? Forget that. We just don't have to know it that bad. <laughs> to, today, we just, we just go and bam, Google and there it is. I think that one of the things that Joshua had to learn was contentment. I believe that, that Moses modeled and displayed in his life contentment. He was okay with where, with where he was. Now, he got frustrated with the situation. He wanted to move out of Egypt. He wanted to go forward. Uh, and and out, of, out of the wilderness. He wanted to go out of the wilderness. He wanted to move forward. But there's a difference between having a drive to continue to pursue the things that God has for you to pursue. There's a difference between that and being content with where you are. Contentment doesn't mean that you're just sitting back and kind of relaxing uh, and not doing anything about the situation. Contentment means, okay, Lord, you have me here, but I know you want me there. What do I need to do in the meantime? So I think that, that Joshua got to see contentment modeled for him. And I can give you a fantastic example of that. One of the great events that Joshua got to witness <laughs> was the rebellion of Korah in number 16. You remember the rebellion of Korah? Korah comes up and says, how many times does it take <laughs> for Moses to be challenged and for event after event after event to continue to happen and, and people suffer for it? I'm going to park over like really quick here too. The interesting thing is this. When the Ruach HaKodesh in Numbers 11 had been dispersed, if you will, Joshua did recognize at that point 
wait a minute, something's different. Other people can do this too. So just because other people may have the same abilities to prophesy and those type of things, it does not take away who God has set up in leadership. Moses was still the leader. Our rabbi is the head of this congregation. He is the leader. may be more gifted than he is in other areas. He is still the leader. Right? That is something that I believe that Joshua also saw as far as contentment goes. So, let's go back to Korah. So, Joshua got to see that Korah challenged uh, Aaron's ability or authority as a priest. He wanted, he wanted to be the same as Aaron. He, wanted to, he, wasn't, he wasn't satisfied or content with the calling that God had put on his life to take care of the things of the temple. He wanted to run the temple. So, the ground swallows him up. Earthquake, whatever happens, I don't know, I wasn't there. All I know is what, <laughs> is what the Word tells us. And vanished, disappeared. How many did they lose that day? 14,000? So Joshua, I believe, learned to be content positionally where he was because he also saw how people rose up against Moses and Aaron and he saw the consequences of what happened when people rose up against those who were in leadership. So another thing that I learned, I think, I believe that, um, that Joshua learned, that he got to see from Moses, surely had to be humility. An intercession. What happened every time that Moses was challenged? That another group came up against Moses? Every time. And Moses fell on his face. Seated. What a great example. Remember, we're talking about lessons that are not just learned from someone laying hands and not being too quick to lay hands on someone. The discipleship, the mentorship part is also seeing these things in the leader that you're following. And that person exuding those characteristics, those traits, the fruit that comes from the Ruach HaKodesh and us taking those in. Moses always felt, was humble. He interceded on behalf of his brothers and sisters who were in sin. Moses, on many, many occasions, you see, fell on his face. How important is that for us today? 
I work in a shipyard. You know how many times you want to... You, <laughs> you, I've never seen a fight there, but, um, you know, it, you, you see all this... People, you know, wanting to prove themselves. I'll put it that way. Um, that's, not the, that's not the design. That's not the way that God wants us to do things. Moses is that example. He wants us to bring things to him first. And say, what do you want to do about this? And then, and then <laughs> it's funny because we see God, I'm going to kill him. And Moses is like, no, please, no. He's like, okay, but I'm taking 14,000 of them. You can't keep me from that. So Joshua saw contentment. Moses was content with where he was as a leader. He didn't try to raise up against anybody else. He saw what happened when people tried to raise up or, or rise up against Moses. He's, Joshua got to see a, uh, a humble and uh, a leader who was willing to intercede on the behalf of others. What else did he see? He learned to obey God's commands. Wasn't that one of the things that God continued to say the most? If you'll do this, then this. A contractual agreement, right? Isn't that what a covenant is? Hey, I'll meet you in this marriage. If you don't do this, I won't do this. If you'll do this, I'll do this. Let's partner together. I just had a, a, a thought. There was a, a time my wife and I were talking about this a couple weeks ago. We were living in Chickasaw, Alabama. We hadn't been married, I don't know, six months, something like that. We hadn't even had our first uh, um, child yet. <clears throat> we were arguing about something. I remember where I was standing and where she was standing. And you know those things that really kind of probably didn't matter anyway. You don't even remember the subject <laughs> about what you were arguing about. And I stopped and I said, hey, wait a minute, time out. I'm not the problem. And you are not the problem. The problem is the problem. And we're supposed to work together as a team to conquer the problem. So why are we fighting? A light bulb came on. I saw it right above her head. And it kind of came on for me too because I really didn't realize that you know, I knew anything like that. I was what, 23 years old, 24 years old? But it kind of went off for both of us. If we're going to have a, a covenantal agreement and we're going to stand in covenant with one another and our children are going to see, which we didn't have then, but if they're going to see how a true relationship works, then aren't we going to have to understand what the problem is and what the solution is and understand that we are not the problem, we're to work together. And if we obey God's commands and we work together, then the problems will just be the problems and we'll be the conquerors and we'll have to learn how to overcome those things and we will 
And our children will see that. And it's the same thing that we're seeing here. We're seeing that if we obey God's commands, the Deuteronomy uh, 28 talks about the, the blessings and, 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 the, and the curses. And if you do this, God says, then, then, then you'll be blessed in the city and you'll be blessed in the field. And you'll be... Now, a lot of people want to just talk about the blessings. They don't want to talk about the consequences on the other side. But if you do this... All hell's going to break loose in your life. It really will. Isn't it better just to obey God's commands? It's not always easy. We got the flesh. We we see how Moses is continually being challenged. Don't you know that Moses' flesh wanted to rise up? I heard a preacher say one time, I understand why Moses hit the rock. (laughs) And didn't just speak to it. That was prophetic symbolism in there too, but he got a little frustrated, right? So we see that that, uh, throughout this, that Joshua, remember? He's the young tyke. He's, he's, the, he's the servant of Moses. He's the, the, the one that's being groomed. Whether or not he realizes that is another, is another story. But he's learning all these lessons. Remember, we're talking about impartation. Not just a one and done deal and it's over with. We're talking about a lifetime of learning lessons. Alright. So, what else did Joshua learn? Deuteronomy 6. I'll start with, chapter, with uh, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love Adonai, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words which I command you today are to be upon your heart. You're to teach them diligently to who? To your children. And speak to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. They are to be as frontlets between your eyes, and write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. (coughs) In our age today, I believe that the Lord would say, do these things, we'll wear When you get up in the morning, when you go to the gas station, when you take them to school, when you homeschool, when you go to the store, when you're in traffic and you want to flip somebody off, or you want to cut somebody off, or you want to get really frustrated, when you're, you know, at Walmart, when you're wherever, always display the Ruach HaKodesh, always display Adonai in our lives. Who gives us that strength? The Ruach HaKodesh gives us that strength to continue to carry on to be witnesses and disciples that our children... Do you know that's the first place of ministry is in your marriage and then in your home? This was a verse personally that convicted us 
uh, to homeschool our children? Whose responsibility is it to teach your kids? It's ours. I'm, I'm excited. I get to see... <clears throat> I'm getting to see my 19-year-old who may be going into to management at a young age. He'll come home and he'll give me situations and he'll say, hey dad, what do you do with this? And I'll say, well, what do you think you do with this? And it's something that I explained to him when he was six years old. Well, what did you do in this situation? Well, I told him this and this. I said, wow, where'd you get that? He said, from you, dad. Now, I'm not going to tell you all the bad stuff he got from me. We talk about that in a deliverance session or something. I don't know. But there are things that we're passing down from Moses to Joshua. Teach the children at home. So we're talking about from impartation to impartation or from anointed to anointed, right? Another lesson that I think that Joshua saw, not only being taught as a child, but teaching as he goes through his life, is be confident in battle. And we've talked about this some. We see in, uh, in Joshua 1, verse 6, Shazak, be strong. Be courageous. We see in Deuteronomy chapter 20, when you go out to battle against your enemies and see horse and chariot, a people more numerous than you, do not be afraid of them, for Adonai your God, the one who brought you up from the land of Egypt, is with you. When you draw near to, to the battle, the Kohen will come forward and speak to the people. He will say to them, Hear, O Israel, you are drawing near today to the battle against your enemies. Don't be faint-hearted. Don't fear or panic or tremble because of them. For Adonai your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. That's a powerful lesson. It's a powerful lesson that Joshua learned. And I believe that, that, that it's deeper than that. We've talked about it in some of our services. Is You know, the less sin that we allow into our lives the more confidence that we have in the Lord. I might have said this before, but what happens when we allow sin to control our lives? Remember, when Yeshua was on the stake, He looked up at His Father and He says, Father, why hast Thou forsaken Me? We have to understand that that was the first time that Yeshua was allowed to feel the presence of sin in His life. 
Because the sin of the world was transferred to him, right? So what is he really saying? He's really saying, Father, what is this forsakenness that I feel? He had never felt forsaken before. So what was the difference from one moment of purity to one moment of having the sin of the world on him? The difference was the sin. When we live a life that is involved in sin, we will feel forsaken. We will not feel like we're children of God. We will not feel like we're sons and daughters of God. We will not feel like and understand that our identity is in the one who has conquered the world. Who has overcome the flesh. And when we understand that our identity is in Him because He has created us to be in His image and His likeness, then what happens from that standpoint is we can stand up boldly and say, the Lord has given me this battle where I can go forward and I can march in victory because He has said I have this battle. And he'll fight for me. I believe that's what Joshua had learned. That Moses was humble. He was teachable. He was content. He was obedient. And he was confident in the Lord. Those are some pretty good characteristics, aren't they? I've got two more. Another lesson that I believe that Joshua learned was not to complain. When we complain, aren't we really Accusing God of not doing His job? Isn't that why God was really mad? Or, or why Moses was really mad? It's because when, when the people came to accuse Him, who's the accuser of the brethren? Satan is, right? So when these people came to accuse Moses every time, weren't they attacking the image of God? So when they come to complain and to accuse Moses of not being the leader that, he, that God said he was, they're being like the accuser. They're being like the enemy. They're accusing God of not being God. They're accusing God of, of all of them not being created in His image. And they were accusing God of not knowing what was best for them. Isn't that what happened in the Garden of Eden? When the enemy comes to Eve? 
he accuses her of already not being created in the image of God. <clears throat> we have to be able to see that when we gripe and grumble and complain and moan about our circumstances, which there's always a lesson to learn out of it, by the way, then, then we are really negating maybe what God is trying to get through to us. We're trying to derail the lesson that the Ruach HaKodesh wants to teach us. When we, when we complain, we accuse God of not being who He is. When we complain about our leaders, when we complain about whatever. Yes, I understand. There are some choices that we make that are that's clearly our fault situations. We clearly put ourselves in. There are sins that we've committed. There are sins that people have committed against us. There are curses that have been spoken over us. We go through all these and break all these type of things in deliverance ministry. But isn't our calling not to accuse God of doing wrong, but to praise and exalt and to bless Him and to understand that He's the Lord of the battle, that He's going to take us through it because He is the victorious one and there are lessons to learn in the meantime. I think Joshua learned that when you continue to rebel against God, you'll be in that wilderness for 40 years when you should have gone over it in way less time than that. I don't remember how many days, but it wasn't long. And then one last thing that I want to talk about briefly, a lesson that I believe that Joshua learned was that of intimacy. In to me. See? Do you get it? Isn't that where God wants us all? To be so into Him that He is so in us. It goes back to that covenantal relationship again that we become one. Have you ever had a time of intimacy that was so powerful that you were overwhelmed with so much love that all you could do is just cry?
that words were not enough in that moment. That anything that you might could say would ruin the whole thing. The world today has got intimacy all wrong. What they call intimacy is not intimacy. It is not a type and shadow or a picture of what a marriage relationship with our Lord looks like. That's what a husband and wife's relationship is supposed to look like. A mirror image of that covenant relationship that's forever that God says that He's put together. The question has been asked, what's, what's better, new love, so to speak, or, or old love? I, I would like to say, you know, immature love or mature love. A mature love is going to have that power, that um, that, that, that magic, that whatever you want to say, the, the glue that holds it all together, right? <clears throat> I, I, would, I would rather have that any day of the week than I would young, immature, feisty love. That's the discipleship process. That's the process that the Lord is carrying all of us through if we will continue to live our lives in Him. Remember being young and they say, on fire for the Lord and you're hot as a firecracker one day and the next week you're like, I'm out of here. And then you, you know, God reels you back in again. There's nothing wrong with being zealous for the Lord. There's nothing wrong with having that fire, with having, you know, uh, that red hot, that, that ardent passion for Him. But it's in the small things that help create that intimacy, right? It's in the daily walk, in the daily communion. In, in, the, in the daily hearing His voice, in the daily reading of His Word, in the daily, you know, so we, we may repeat the, uh, the Shema, you know, when the sun comes up and when it goes down, will we get tired of it? Shema Yisrael And I Keep pushing forward. Keep going on. Keep marching forward. Continue in faithfulness. Continue to allow uh, that, 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 oh Lord, here it goes. It's six o'clock in the morning and I'm starting my day in prayer or whatever. And hey, we, we've got to get to a point where we are in that place excited Ready to meet Him. 
ready to walk with Him because that, that new love, it may be kind of fiery, but that old love, it's got a maturity to it. It's got a stick to it. it, it it's, it's got devotion to it. It's got all of these things that the Lord says, it's got obedience to it. It's got faithfulness to it. It's got covenant to it. That's where we need to be. And those, these are the things that I believe that Joshua continued to see in Moses. Moses goes up to the mountain. And he comes down and his head's on fire. <laughs> you know, his face is glowing. It's bright. What is that? It's intimacy. There's something to be desired or to, or, 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 or to be seen of people who have walked with the Lord for a long time and they may not be, uh, you know, jumping the pews and swinging from the chandeliers and, you know, running out in the streets and that type of thing. But there's a wisdom and a knowledge and an understanding and, and that comes from deep within that person, deep within the roots of that person. Those are the people that we should be able to glean from. So we see how in the, in the end of, at the end of the story, the, the, the bookmark where Joshua says, Choose you this day who you're going to serve. And then we saw from Numbers 11 where Joshua was saying, Whoa! We can't do this. And the story in between is not just a laying on of hands, one and done. You're the son, you're the anointed one. It's the story of teach the children. When you arise, when you walk by the way, you know, when you pass by Walmart for the 50th time because y'all are in the wilderness still. <laughs> Continue to be diligent. We have to keep in mind that the things that God has shown us he wants us also to continue to pass down to other generations. We see how Moses discipled Joshua. And we see how Yeshua made disciples. And then we see how disciples made other disciples. And that's the Ruach HaKodesh continually being passed down. Continually being shared Continually being spread to others. I still have children in my home, so teenagers, let's say children. Remember, I said at the beginning, they're, they're still your babies, so it doesn't matter how old they are. But having said that, you know, it's never too late. You know, it's never too late. To share with your children. You know it's never too late to share with your kids. You know if there's a rift in any relationship. 
between parent and child that the Lord can help mend it. And if we will ask, then He will show you how to mend that relationship to the best of its ability. I know people who have fathers that they can only get arm's length distance with. That's the closest they'll ever be, but at least they have that. Because before, all they were doing was fighting. But who are we mentoring? Who are you mentoring? I'll share one more brief story. There's a, another a young man who's going into uh, management where Dylan, and my son, works. And um, he's got some issues at home, so he's at our house quite a bit. Seems like a really good kid. Um, I'm not into his life a whole lot, but, I mean, you know, we... High five when he comes in the door and hey, how's it going? Yada, yada, yada. And, hey, Mr. Lynn, yeah, I'm going to play video games. Yada. Well, he came, he came to uh, the house the other day and I was like, oh, so I hear that, uh, you know, you've been selected to go into management. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So hang on a second. So I go back in my room and I grab this uh, book on management. It's like the 27 things that. Uh, managers need for their employees or something like that. It's a really good read. I can't tell you who the author is. But um, so I go in there and I, I say, hey, Javier, look at this book I've got. You're going into management, right? Like, yeah. And as, I'm, as I'm showing him, he's just kind of looking at me like, why is this guy doing this? So I, I, I flip through him, and I'm, I'm taking him chapter by chapter, and I say, yeah, this one talks about this, and I learned this in there, and this talks about this, and I learned this in there. And I handed him the book, and I said, here, uh, you can't take my copy, but you can buy one on Amazon. <laughs> and I said, look, the deal is this. And Dylan knows it. When you come into my house, and if I like you, <laughs> I'm going to show you love. And if I had learned some of these lessons when I was your age, it would have furthered my career by years and years. But I was hard-headed. I was stubborn. I'm none of those things anymore, by the way. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so I, I repeat. So the lightning don't strike, right? But I was hard-headed. I, I, just, I, I wasn't guided very well. And I said, if I can help teach you or steer you in the right direction, then I would love to see you take advantage of this. He was like, wow. And I said, well, we love you. Now, have you ever been in one of those moments when you just knew 
that something was penetrating into the heart of another person. So my son was probably mad at me because a guy stopped playing video games with him. <laughs> Sat down on the bed and said, I'm going to start reading it right now. As I was walking out of the room, I heard him. And I said, you don't have to do that, you know, just to do it on your own, own time or whatever. Now, some people might be like, well, you didn't tell him about Jesus, or you didn't tell him about, you know, Yeshua, or whatever. And I would say, well, you got to start somewhere. So what's your in? Got to have a starting point. But I believe that what we have seen tonight is an example, a living example of a mentorship and an impartation of the Ruach HaKodesh from a guy who says, no, we can't do this in Numbers 11 to Joshua 24. God's done all this for us. Are you going to continue to stand with Him? Me and my house are. You choose whose side you're going to be on. And he could have only done that by discipleship, lessons learned from Moses, and from the empowering of the Ruach HaKodesh who gives us the boldness to speak the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I praise you for your word. I praise you for allowing us to see the importance of, of discipleship and the importance of passing your word and your ways to the next generation. Help us to see the people that are standing right in front of us every single day that need to see a living example and help us to be that living example through the power of your Ruach. And then give us the boldness to speak the words that you would have us speak to them out of love and out of your, your love and your mercy and your kindness. Thank you for a Ruach encounter. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, and everyone said, Amen.